You're listening to Open Data Discussions, where we will share stories on sustainable open data, effective programs, and most of all, effective leadership. My name is Jason Hare, the Open Data Evangelist for Open Data Soft, and I will be the host of this series. Today on the show, in our fourth episode, I'm joined by Tony Fung, Deputy Secretary of Technology for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Welcome, Tony. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, just for those of you who uh, who don't have the pleasure of knowing you as well as I do, uh, would you mind introducing yourself and a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, current role for me is Deputy Secretary of Technology uh, for the Commonwealth of Virginia for Governor McAuliffe. And just a little bit of my background, I started out as a IT programmer and uh, was at a large company doing a lot of IT systems development. Then I turned my intentions to entrepreneurship where I continued on with IT and grew a company to about 140 people, about 18 million in revenue. Then after that I pivoted to more of a venture capital type of role where I was helping out small companies and also I was a mentor. So I helped a lot of small companies giving back to you know a lot of people and um, where I've been given a lot of support when I started my own company. And then I decided to go into uh, public service. It was a great fit for me in terms of my uh, stage in life. I definitely felt there's a lot of opportunity to be able to improve, um, you know, the the, um, the place that I live and uh, my community by serving. So it's been a great honor. And I'm um, actually on my last leg of it, which uh, it's a four-year term uh, for uh, for uh, Governor McAuliffe. And uh, in, in Virginia, we only have one term per governor. So our term ends um, when his does. So uh, I have about six months, uh, sorry, six weeks left. And uh, really excited to finish off. And I've been focusing on data and analytics, uh, which includes open data for uh, most of my term here. Wow. I, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting the governor at uh, uh, the Datathon year before last. And uh, yeah, he's. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of great things happening in Virginia. So, uh, speaking of that, uh, you know, I know the state of Virginia has adopted uh, data in a big way to to tackle problems across several agencies. Um, you know, you have kind of a insider's view. How did the administration accomplish this, and what was your role in making all of this happen? Yeah, it, it's Virginia has been really good in terms of using data for the purpose of improving programs and improving the lives of our citizens. And so we continue to build on top of that. And a lot of what we had focused on was enablement. And the, in the stage where we are in Virginia, where we have short, you know, t as far as shortages and budgets and resources, uh, you know, it's really hard to get data and analytics projects started where you need a lot of different kinds of capabilities and people involved. Uh, you know, where they think about data science, scientists, et cetera. So we, we tried to do a holistic analysis of what we needed and how we can get there. And we started tapping into resources like our universities where we have data science programs, uh, we have different types of capabilities, and, you know, we, we also looked at the different assets we have uh, currently in our different environments. So you, as you know, Jason, there's a lot of silos uh, across you know agencies uh, in, in government, and so there there are some capabilities from a technology standpoint uh, where you know we are able to tap into 
and be able to broaden it more enterprise-wide. So we also focused on that particular piece. And also we, we did uh, look at a lot of the laws on the books and our policies and identified where there are data sharing challenges and uh, being able to break down some barriers across those particular silos to be able to share more data because the fact is most of our agencies serve a common population so there is a lot of value to be able to share data across those different silos and be able to connect better in terms of how our programs are interacting across agencies to serve our, our, uh, our citizens. So having said that, we really looked at those different pieces and one of the projects that I'm very proud of uh, that we continue to build upon is the Virginia Logistical Data System. And that's where we really look at from K through workforce what are the different programs that are, uh, you know, being provided to citizens, uh, you know, from that early age of kindergarten all the way to workforce and being able to get our citizens ready for, you know, be able to obtain a job and be able to, uh, you know, have a good life in terms of uh, being able to s support families, etc. So we are taking a longitudinal view of that and that really requires data to be pulled from different sources uh, as you can imagine, you know, K through uh, workforce in involves education. Uh, it, you know, involves uh, you know uh, different kinds of um, data points and metrics in terms of uh, you know the economy and and, and uh, you know the the impacts in terms of uh, workforce development uh, types of investments. So taking all the different data pieces which have been anonymized and de-identified, so we protect. Uh, you know, uh, people's privacy, but looking at it more from a population level, we've been able to, through this particular type of effort, uh, identify where things work and where they don't. And in the cases where programs are maybe not providing as much value as we thought, we could definitely change in terms of our investments and apply those resources to the programs that do work. So it's been a tremendous opportunity to be able to have that kind of wide look across different types of uh, agencies and different programs that are involved and how they interact. So a good example would be in terms of social services, uh, you know, there was an analysis how uh, school lunch programs really do make a difference in terms of students' lives and how in terms of if you're able to provide school lunch programs uh, early on and to a greater number of students, those really improve outcomes across education. And so without the breaking down of the silos and connecting those dots, you know, that kind of analysis can't really be done. And the outcome certainly is to have, you know, students that are, uh, you know, more, uh, you know, provided upon in terms of nutrition and having better student outcomes as far as grades and a better chance at life um, afterwards. So that's a, you know, really, really, um, poignant and a specific case in terms of how this particular system and studies really improve outcomes. That's that's really uh, amazing that, that uh, Virginia is tackling that nutrition issue in public schools at a state level. Um, you know, just south of you down here, uh, we tackle it by county by county level. And uh, we do find what you're saying, that uh, some of these uh, students, they're main source of nutrition is the school lunch that they get. And uh, I know several counties have started doing uh, summer programs on 
uh, school lunches, but it's not the statewide effort that Virginia is doing, which is uh, commendable. Um, so I guess you sort of answered my next question, but uh, what role does open data play in policy making at the state level in Virginia? And you just gave us a great case study on, on that. But in general, would you say that uh, when you're making social policies or, or other kinds of policies that affect uh, populations, especially vulnerable populations, are you using these public sourced uh, data sets to, to drive policy making? Yeah, and Jason, I would kind of carve it out in two ways. One is there is a lot of data that Virginia provides that are on the financial side and procurement that is publicly available to everyone, and certainly there's a lot of policy decisions being made in terms of leveraging that kind of data, and also performance management as well. So we do have a website called Virginia Performs, which is a little bit more aggregated kind of information, but it gives you metrics that the agencies have identified that they would meet and then where they are in meeting those. So it's a little bit more aggregated, not, not detailed, but we definitely use those to drive uh, policy uh, changes and additional policy uh, you know, uh, creation to better perform in terms of uh, different areas and, and missions that we have or a variety of our uh, agencies. Um, so I would say that is, you know, um, on the more public side, we have the financial information, uh, more procurement, traditional, and also I would say internal open data where we are sharing data where it's non-sensitive and, and where we can, uh, you know, in, within the agencies to be able to make better decisions. And so uh, I want to definitely want to make that distinction uh, because of the fact that there is a lot of sensitive information that uh, state agencies have and different local and state and federal policies apply across those. So it certainly makes it challenging in terms of providing a lot of open data. You know, um, in particular, we can't in the, in the sensitive areas, but in an, an aggregate populational type of um, you know data sources, we certainly are trying to push out as much information from a population level that doesn't have sensitive information. That's great, and uh, I know that you know you work in the. Uh, for the Secretary of Technology. So, um, you know, in a lot of public sector agencies, um, these data efforts usually originate in IT shops, right? So I, I just wanted to see or ask if, uh, does your department spend a significant amount of time on ensuring open data quality? And if so, what are some of the steps you make in ensuring sound data governance? Like, do you have a board of governance for data, for example? Yeah, and it, and it really depends uh, agency by agency uh, where, where there are a lot of uh, efforts in terms of data quality, I think, tend to be those uh, agencies that provide data openly to uh, the public. You want to make sure those numbers are very accurate and there's a lot of governance around it. Um, and, and so, you know, there, there is a lot of data governance uh, in terms of process and uh, you know, following uh, data management best practices, et cetera. And, you know, there's other areas where a lot of the collection is happening um, and there aren't necessarily data standards that are out there, uh, schemas to follow, et cetera. And uh, in those areas, you know, certainly I think there's opportunities to improve, to be able to follow more data standards if there are some out there so we can make better connections 
across uh, different areas where um, you know sharing of data eventually will be easier when you you know follow those uh, data standards. And then also a lot of our agencies have been uh, stepping up and doing uh, data mature maturity assessments. So we actually partnered with one of our uh, you know state uh, universities and doing those uh, types of assessments to be able to identify where they are in the maturity model and uh, at, at the end of the process being able to uh, figure out where they can improve, uh, where you know they can definitely start stepping it up so that they can have better analytics type of efforts you know once the data improves. So there's a lot of exciting things like that um, that are going on and I think that it is very varied by agency but we're trying to you know definitely up the game for all of the agencies. Very cool. Um, so before I ask my next question I just want to share a, a quick anecdote. So I was at the 2016 uh, Virginia Datathon and uh, I had a team there. In fact, I'm wearing my Virginia Datathon t-shirt right now. And uh, Governor McAuliffe came up to me and said, hey, you know, great team, uh, where are y'all from? And I said, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And he's like, North Carolina? And uh, I said, well, I have, I, I do have a Virginian on my team. Is that, is that make it okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he told me about uh, when he was with the Virginia Air National Guard, or he, he visited the Air, Virginia Air National Guard and gotten an F-18 and buzzed uh, Governor McCrory's uh, house in down in North Carolina here. And uh, I just thought that was the funniest story ever, uh, which leads me to my, my next question. So how did Virginia come up with this technology and engagement solutions? Like uh, how, for example, how did you get the governor to come to so many datathons? Yeah, the governor really has been leading in, in all the areas that we really have been pushing towards. So cyber, big data, data analytics, and unmanned systems. And so he's really passionate about it, and that makes it easy uh, for him to be able to plug in. And uh, with that kind of leadership, uh, that certainly drives a lot of people and attention towards our efforts. And so he's, he's definitely made it easy, and he's, very, he's all in on data and analytics. And so that's that's how we've been able to really make a lot of uh, strong, you know, progress in different areas where we can definitely be more evidence-based in our decision making and be able to be more a lot more data-driven. And uh, so, to your, your other part of the question in terms of the technology and, and engagement, um, you know, there there are things in terms of from a procurement perspective we've done differently. Uh, you know, we we actually created a contract vehicle called the Next Generation Analytics Contract that basically enables Virginia to have more data and analytics solutions come into um, our agencies and so making it a lot easier. But one of the most interesting aspects of that contract vehicle was to be able to have uh, the solutions providers uh, provide at no cost to the state a proof of concept uh, project. So the, uh, the winners of the uh, contract vehicle so they, they were able to you know have a license to, to be able to pursue is to be able to work with one or more agencies on a data analytics challenge and be able to demonstrate how their solutions are able to drive value and so for me that really gives you know a lot of um, you know opportunity to be able to have agencies uh, you know be able to test out the waters with different kinds of solutions and identify if there's really a 
um, you know, a value there in terms of at the end of a pilot. And that helps uh, reduce, you know, the project failures that technology projects generally run into. And, you know, that the questions a lot of times if you don't have a proof of concept is, is the, is the agency ready for an analytics project? Is there data quality there? Um, are there the people that are involved, are they ready in terms of being able to accept um, the th different things that are required for a data project? And then vice versa, are the tools really uh, able to meet the needs in terms of the agencies? So there's just a lot of exciting things that have happened with this particular contract vehicle. We've had about four or five pilots that kicked off. Uh, we've had uh, you know multi uh, you know millions of dollars that are um, you know either gone through or slated to uh, work through this particular contract vehicle. So it's been a real win-win, and it really I think avoids a lot of the paper trading in terms of the procurement process and hoping that some sort of value will come out afterwards. So a lot of good things have come through that. That's pretty neat. Uh, is that contract vehicle, is it going to uh, survive this current administration or is it uh, something that was developed uh, specifically for the current administration? Yeah, it, it actually will survive the, uh, the administration changeover. Uh, it's actually through our, our technology agency, the Virginia Information Technology Agency. And so we let that about two years ago. We have 11 uh, uh, you know, uh, su suppliers that are on that particular contract vehicle. We had 22 respondents, which was huge in terms of the demand. And vice versa, there's a lot of agencies that are very excited. They, they've joined in in terms of pilots. Um, there's you know, dollars flowing through. So it's been a really huge success. Uh, you know, on multiple fronts. Neat. Uh, it, one of the other things that I, I really like about your um, civic engagement events is you're not afraid to tackle the real thorny issues. Um, as a highlight, the 2017 Datathon was about uh, the opioid crisis. And I just wanted to get your uh, thoughts on the uh, folks that participated, uh, how you came to choose that topic. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you a reason why. Down in North Carolina here, we had a uh, what's called the NC Riot. It's the uh, uh, Raleigh Internet of Things organization. And we also had a uh, meetup about uh, how to tackle opioid abuse in North Carolina. But your Datathon um, has all the teams and what they presented on, on your Datathon website about opioid uh, abuse. So, um, again, can you share your thoughts on how you chose that topic and then, um, in general, what you thought of the event? Yeah, so I'll step through it really quickly as far as, um, so we we focus um, all of our datathons on the governor's highest priorities. And the, the opioid crisis definitely has been on the forefront. We've had an opioid task force. Um, a lot of the country, parts of the country are really dealing with, you know, the same thing in terms of what Virginia is dealing with. Uh, which is a lot of, you know, deaths and, um, you know, things that are happening with our citizens around opioid addiction. And so that really drove us pretty clearly towards that direction. And we had a lot of agencies identifying how they could use data and analytics to improve outcomes. And so we really took, you know, the different motivation factors and how this is bipartisan and really pushed us forward. And so we were really being able to uh, get our agencies involved by providing non-sensitive uh, data to the table, which cut across different secretariats and domains to really be able to make this robust. So we were able to uh, 
capture data from uh, health and human resources agencies, uh, for example, Virginia Department of Health, uh, you know, and other uh, agencies within that secretariat, and also public safety. They provided different kinds of data sets that, again, were non-sensitive. And we we're also able to capture some data from the federal level and be able to provide this to the teams to be able to use. And it was pretty easy in terms of being able to have teams, uh, you know, sign up for this. In fact, we had uh, more teams that we could than we could accommodate uh, for the datathon, which was a tremendous, uh, you know, amount of outpouring of support. And and so we were really focused on two things. One is improving outcomes and saving lives. And really that hits home to a lot of people who are civic technologists or people who want to help in general. And we had a lot of people come from all walks of life. So it wasn't just coders that came to the table. We had people who were coming from different organizations that focused on you know, opioid addiction. So maybe they had this subject matter expertise and you know, uh, different kinds of views of the problem. We had researchers coming from universities. And so all these people came together and were really focused on you know, the particular task in terms of how to help Virginia with this particular affliction. And so uh, from there, uh, it was amazing because we had 15 teams compete. And as you mentioned, Jason, that all the solutions are up there and posted. Uh, but they were you know, working extremely hard. They had a lot of fun over those two days. They really put together solutions. And I'll tell you about the winner um, of, of the Dayathon this year. Uh, it, yeah. was a, it was a team that almost didn't happen. So it was, it, you know, one one uh, team uh, kind of fell apart, and they were mostly data scientists. So they didn't have the expertise on the addiction side uh, or health or public safety. And then we had another team that kind of fell apart, and they were more of the focus of uh, interventions and focusing on the affliction. And they're all like, the both teams were like, we're going to have to drop out because we weren't able to pull enough people together, et cetera. So, so I, were, I was able to connect the two teams together, and they were able to work together, and they had that multidiscipline uh, approach. Uh, they were able to work together and develop an amazing solution because they had the skill sets of the coders, the people who know, knew the domain, uh, obviously a lot of passion and uh, a lot of uh, focus. And they were able to win this thing, and they almost didn't happen because of the fact that you know they, they had their teams kind of uh, break apart you know at the last minute. So they all came together, which was really amazing. And um, you know it goes to show we had a lot of competitors uh, from private industries. So you had a lot of big companies competing. Uh, you had agencies that were well resourced, and then you also had civic technologists and people that came together who had never been part of this before. And We've had those types of folks who, who haven't had a lot of experience win these things. And it's because, again, um, the judges, you know, the people who are involved, uh, see a lot of the passion and, and people pour their hearts into it. So it's not about you know, having the be best whiz bang technology product out there. It's really the thing that solves the problems or helps address the particular problems that really uh, resonate uh, with the judges and, and make the most impact. So we tend to try to focus as much, as much on the mission and definitely technology is the enablement, but you got to be able to deliver value at the end of the day. So I think a lot of the teams were able to take away that message and focus on solutions um, that really address that and, and, and meet that type of challenge. So we've had, we had 15 tremendous um, you know, solutions provided out there. We could only 
select three winners, but we're really proud of what everyone did uh, during this year's data thought. Well, you know, I, I always think of data science as a team effort. So it, it was, it's really great to hear that uh, two disparate or two, two groups of folks that have different uh, skill sets can come together and, and solve a, solve a problem. That's, that's a really great story. Um, so I, and I know I keep asking about things that you have to manage. So I'm going to keep this one a little brief, but I also had the pleasure of attending the governor's data summit earlier this year. Uh, you know, the, the panel that I really enjoyed watching the most was emceed by Virginia's favorite, uh, civic activist, Waldo Jaquith. And, uh, um, I was wondering if you can, and I saw a lot of performance management efforts going on within the Commonwealth's agencies, and I was wondering if you can highlight some of the, some of your faves or some of the success stories that, that you know that, that were showcased at the summit. Yeah, I, you know, I get really, um, you know, excited about, you know, the, the different performance, uh, you know, projects that are out there. Uh, VDOT certainly has some really strong ones. Uh, they definitely are very much data-driven in what they're trying to do, and they also have a chief innovation officer, uh, which is the first in the, in the state. And, you know, with that, there is a lot of performance management type of activities going on with open data. So they actually have an open data portal that they just put out there that's available to folks who want to sign up. And, you know, they use it internally as well in terms of that data to be able to identify performance management, whether it be projects, you know, road projects or different kinds of initiatives uh, for VDOT. So um, there's different kinds of dashboards that they have on their on the website that's very uh, publicly available, and you can actually drill down, I think, on some of them for more specific uh, data sets and kind of dig in to see where those uh, pieces are coming from. But they certainly show a lot of uh, performance management type of activities, whether it's project specific or different um, service lines they have. So that's one, you know, area that I get really excited about in terms of seeing, you know, what's going on and, and having them lead in that particular area. Um, you know, another one is certainly uh, Department of Education. Uh, through, again, the Virginia Longitudinal Data System, uh, they produce a lot of data, data sets, and they're, you know, measuring performance in terms of particular programs in education, which has a lot of investment into it. Uh, the governor made the biggest investment, $1 billion, into our education system. So we certainly want to measure exactly what are we getting for every dollar that we have uh, you know, in terms of um, our caretaking of taxpayer dollars. And so you get to see a lot of different kinds of uh, performance metrics uh, at the Department of Education and being able to see what kind of outcomes there are. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud of what we do on that front as well. So I know we only have a half an hour, so I'll cite those two examples as <laughs> really you know, cut across different agencies and how they use performance management to really guide them in terms of their investments and their decision-making. Very cool. Well, I just have one last question for you. And uh, how do you think open data can tie into democracy? Yeah, I think it's at the heart of it. I think that uh, Thomas Jefferson probably was uh, one of the first ones to, you know, have open data out there. He actually uh, measured temperature every day and, and provided it out there. So, and also the Library of Virginia, um, I consider that, you know, one of the, you know, first open data sources in terms of the institution. So really proud of Virginia's history there. 
And I, I believe that, you know, the, the ways that we kind of swung back and forth in terms of governments that are closed and then they're open and, you know, uh, and throughout the cycle of democracy, um, that truly the openness of our democracy um, is uh, directly tied into how much data that citizens really, uh, their taxpayer dollars, uh, you know, provide in terms of producing and, and uh, being able to collect data that if we can provide more of that to our citizens that obviously they are not sensitive, but you know, really belong to our citizens, the better our democracy is, the more we perfect our democracy, that uh, you know, the, the citizens are able to interrogate that data, kind of you know, be able to peer in and see exactly what government's doing in terms of particular programs and be able to uh, ask questions. Uh, you know, and that inclusiveness also um, goes in another direction, which is we have the opportunity to be able to crowdsource and get more data in terms of uh, sentiment from our citizens. Um, you know, how, how do they react? How do they feel? And be able to engage with them better. And I think that open data affords that opportunity and that bi-directional kind of communication that really gets citizens involved and uh, really helps out our democracy in terms of and our government to improve and be able to better serve our communities. Super. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Uh, so that's it. Uh, thank you all very much for joining us today for this podcast. Uh, this is done twice a month, so you can expect to hear from us again shortly to share more stories on effective open data programs. You can stay tuned by subscribing to the Open Data Soft newsletter on our website, www.opendatasoft.com, and by following us on social media. Find us on Twitter at Open Data Soft or on LinkedIn or Facebook. So thank you again. Thank you, Tony. And we hope to be in touch very soon. Thank you, Jason. I enjoyed it.